0: Welcome into Hardcore College Football. Hope you're doing well. Corey Listokey here. Today we have Audrey Snyder from Penn State Athletic joining us to talk about college football and Micah Parsons. uh, Also going to update you on the latest in college football world and what conferences are still playing and whatnot as we head into uncharted territory. Let's get after it. into the show everybody it is kind of crazy times here i have audrey snyder from the athletic the penn state writer um been at penn state's beat for a very long time she's very knowledgeable very fun she'll be joining us in just a little bit Um, but i feel like i have to update you on the latest that interview with audrey i had last friday um so it's a little bit dated as far as the news penn state hadn't or excuse me the big 10 hadn't canceled at the time um, but we talk about Micah Parsons and James Franklin, so all that information is still very relevant. So just keep that in mind when we get to that interview. Um, but it's been crazy. It's been very crazy. I'm just going to run through some of what's happened here. Uh, the MAC Mid-Atlantic Conference, they've canceled uh, for the fall. The Ohio Valley Conference has postponed fall sports to the spring, but the football program is allowed to compete in 4 Don non-conference games. Um, you have a lot of testing issues which i'll get to in just one second Um, but the asun conference has postponed fall sports into the spring you have the wcc conference uh, postponing fall competition the big sky conference postponing fall sports competition the southland conference postponing to the fall you have a couple reshuffling as well it looks like the earliest games we're going to see is on september 12th at the moment uh, the Western Athletic Conference, they also postponed to the spring. New Mexico State postponed to the screen. Old Dominion postponed to the spring. UConn postponed to the spring. So we're seeing some teams do it themselves regardless of things like that. Um, but it's a big, big mess right now. Still, though, at the Power Five Conference level, you still have the ACC... The Big 12 and the SEC, as of right now, still willing to play. So out of the Power 5, those ones are still willing to play. Now, the latest news is that the study on myocarditis, the disease, the inflammation of the heart, which everyone was talking about citing the reason why the Pac-12 and the Big 10 canceled. There's been some speculation whether or not that study is any good and it wasn't worth canceling over. Um, But the Big Ten, Pac-12, they're pretty much done. Now, the ACC seems to be the one that's been faltering the most lately as far as testing. Florida State came out, and apparently some of the wide receivers said there wasn't enough transparency. It's been taken care of since then. But that kind of makes you wonder, you know, the transparency with the testing a little bit. Uh, Some other schools have had some issues. Boston College, though, they've done really well. Jeff Halfley, happy with the the testing that they've done. Um, But the ACC has had some struggle Uh, With their testing so far and some transparency behind it, the Big 12 has done fairly well. The SEC, believe it or not, they don't have to uh, show their information publicly. For whatever reason, the doctors and all that stuff can kind of just say, hey, this is what it is and you're going to have to take our word for it. So the SEC doing things a little bit differently there. Um, But yeah, all the news kind of related around the Big 10 and the Pac-12 and what the heck Uh, They're thinking right now, I mean, I've been out in front and said this is kind of the right decision to make. Uh, One other team I'd like to mention is Liberty. Liberty hasn't been testing any asymptomatic people. They've only been testing symptomatic people for COVID-19. That seems very risky if you ask me. Other places like Syracuse apparently haven't been testing as often as they probably should. Same with Tulane. Any kind of breaks like that could be detrimental to the entire college football season. you got to think if the ACC decides to cancel, the Big 12 won't be far behind. Uh, All FBS champion, excuse me, all Division I championships for the fall have been canceled except for the FBS. So the FBS is the only fall sports championship that is still alive right now um, when you talk about the NCAA. So that's kind of the latest in all of the news. Again, this interview is about a week old, so a little bit dated, but here we go. Uh, welcome into Hardcore College Football. With me now is Audrey Snyder, uh, representing and writing for the Penn State Athletic. How are you doing today, Audrey?
1: I'm good, Corey. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. I mean, we are just kind of messing around here and talking about how we pretty much know, any, you know nothing. Uh, but right now, I'm going to ask you for answers, and I'm just going to make you assume uh, that you have all the answers right in front of you. So
1: That's great. That's pretty much what this week has been. So yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, so let's get started with you know a little bit of older news, but this is the first time I've kind of had you on the show so you can at least talk about it more specifically. Uh, we know James Franklin, head coach of Penn State, is a huge family man. Uh, going into this season, he has already said that he's isolating from his family, sending his family down to Destin, Florida. Uh, what was the reason behind that? And you know him better than most. You know, how much is that going to hurt his day-to-day and keeping him focused as much as he loves his family he's a family kind of guy?
1: Yeah. So I think there are a couple interesting things about this. Um, One, I know a lot of people say, well, like, oh, my gosh, with everything going on with COVID, why would they go to Florida? Uh, Well, they've been in Florida and Franklin has a vacation home in Florida. Um, So my understanding is, and again, we haven't talked to James Franklin since May. I want to say, yeah, I want to say last time I talked to him, funny enough, um, I was doing my state of the program interviews for The Athletic and I was at my parents' house sitting around my mom's kitchen table interviewing James Franklin. So that was kind of weird. Um, (laughs) Welcome to 2020. Um, But he was, so this was, you know, way before that, but they have a house down there. um, From the way James spoke when Ross Tucker interviewed him, which is the last that I believe Franklin's done an interview. um, Gosh, I think that was back in June, maybe, maybe July. Um, All the months seemed to run together. But he had mentioned that, family had already been down there and that they thought it would be easier for his daughters to stay there and just kind of not be tempted by, hey, I'm in state college. I want to go hang out with my friends, that kind of thing. Uh, So it makes sense. Um, I get it. Uh, His one daughter with sickle cell, obviously higher risk. So, I mean, this is a huge sacrifice for him to have to make to try and have a football season. Um, You know, I've talked to some people. They said, well, why didn't he, you know— why it, doesn't he live in a hotel and his family could live in the house? Like, I don't know. I mean, that's all, that's their thing, you know? Like
0: Why don't you know the answer to that, Audrey? Come on.
1: You know, I'm like, hey, whatever works for you and your family, I get it. i not going to judge it. You're going to make the decision that's best for you. And I do, last I saw anyway, I do believe uh, the state college school district has like a hybrid learning method. So, you know, his daughters could be doing online school through state college and like his wife wouldn't have to homeschool them, uh, which probably would be pretty nice. But yeah, James Franklin living away from his family this season. Um, And to my knowledge, Corey, he's the only coach on Penn State staff that's doing that. Um, But again, different situation given that his daughter is, you know, among the high risk categories.
0: Right. And that's actually kind of a good point. I never even thought about I mean, everyone keeps talking about the players, the players, the players, um, but we tend to forget about all of the pieces around the players that are coaching, tutoring, you know, keeping them healthy. There's a lot of people that are going to be at risk that are going to be around these players 24-7. So that's an interesting point that, hey, none of the other coaches, as far as you know, have, have isolated from their families. But, I mean, it just, it's just a matter of time before somebody somewhere gets sick um, and isn't a severe. I mean, there's just too many people across college athletics Uh, for someone not to have, you know, some sort of risk that maybe they didn't even know about. So that's interesting. And and I'm curious how, you know, Franklin, being such a family guy, how he will, you know, kind of react to that, especially if there is a season and we're all of a sudden in October, you know, he hasn't seen his family for months on end. So it's going to be interesting. I
1: think the other part of that too, Corey, I mean, you're talking, right, like at what point can he see his family and, he had mentioned in the Ross Tucker interview and alluded that like it might not be till February because you think about recruiting and again, who knows um, what's going to happen with that. Currently as we're, we're recording this on um, the PIAA is meeting to figure out what they're going to do for high school football this fall and whether or not that's going to get changed. So, I mean, you just, you have so many moving parts um, and I'll kind of go back to when James Franklin was hired and he was living in the office, right? I mean, remember that, which definitely feels like forever to go. Uh, but that was a really tough time on him. He had talked about it many times. That that was before his family moved here, and it was just kind of weird, but also it allowed him to really zone in and zero in on doing the job, so I think he will undoubtedly be locked in uh, this year because, really, I mean, what else is he going to do? I mean, this is really bizarre, but I also think, too, like, at what point is it too much, right? Like how much are we asking people to sacrifice to try and get this fall season in? And he certainly um, would fall into that category.
0: Absolutely. And you got to think of it from a money standpoint too. Like, yeah, Penn State could probably fit the bill for whatever kind of coronavirus testing that they require to to play football. But A, can all the schools do it? And B, is it really worth all the money and all the risk and liability at the other end? That's kind of the big question, right?
1: Oh yeah, and you know, and then of course the players want to know too. Like, right, what's the accuracy on the testing? That's going to be a whole other, whole other thing uh, as you look to get testing through a third party source. I mean, that's going to be kind of the other, the other part of this. But yes, so many moving parts right now. Just absolutely madness.
0: Well, one thing we do know for sure, just happening this week, I think Micah Parsons was a little bit upset that it got released before he could make the announcement. But Micah Parsons, uh, Penn State linebacker going to forego the 2020 season and is going to enter into the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, He was one of the, I believe, the first linebacker to win the Big Ten linebacker of the year as a sophomore. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, And then on top of that, had 100 tackles last season, uh, five sacks, and was learning basically a new position in 2018 as a true freshman. So two seasons, we thought we probably wouldn't get four out of him anyway, but We kind of feel a little shortchanged not seeing that third and final season as a junior. Um, What's kind of the mindset around around the Penn State fan base right now?
1: Uh, You know, I think fan base, um, you wade into some of the comments and then you try to slowly back away and just be like, oh, I don't want to read this. Uh, My thing, Corey, has always (laughs) been this. Um, When players have these decisions to make, There are so many variables at play. Sometimes we don't even know everything that's going on in their lives and their minds uh, that goes into these kinds of decisions. So for us to sit back and judge them, I hate when people do that. Uh, Yes, it would have been great for everybody to see Micah Parsons play a junior season. It would have been exciting. Um, Everybody would have benefited from it. No doubt Penn State certainly would have benefited from it. But for people to tear a kid apart for a decision, yeah, I just, I don't get it. I don't care for it. Um, but a lot of people think that they're entitled to their opinion and that we should care about it. Uh, it's Micah Parsons' decision to make. He made it, did the interview with Penn Live, uh his hometown paper. And so, uh, which I think that's pretty interesting, Corey, that he goes to Penn Live and not in-house with Penn State's media operations. I don't know that if that was on the table or kind of how that came to be. Um, but does the video makes the decision ops out? Oh, yeah. And it was the eve of Penn State opening fall camp. Um, I will say when I talked with Brent Pry one on one in May uh, for the state of the program interview, I asked him then and there, because at that point, everything was kind of looking like maybe a spring season. Uh, and I said to him, I said, hey, you know, do you think that you've already, you know, that Micah Parsons has played his last game at Penn State? And he said, well, you know, I, I, like, I won't let myself think about it, those kinds of things. Um, and at that point, he said, hey, Micah has not talked to me about it yet. No, that was late May. Obviously, a ton of things have changed since then uh, in the world of college football with the pandemic, all these kinds of things. So, I mean, Penn State... Gets ranked as number seventh in the coaches' poll, um, which, whatever that means right now, who knows? But then, like, within an hour, hour it's like, hey, Micah Parsons is opting out. Um, I mean, it's deflating for Penn State, no doubt about it. I've had a lot of people say to me on Twitter and those kinds of things, like, oh, well, Audrey, they still have talent at linebacker. Yeah, no doubt they have talent at linebacker, but you don't have a top 10 pick waiting in the wings on your roster. Nobody does um so you know kind of that notion that they're not going to miss a beat without parsons is absolutely asinine um but you still do have talent at linebacker brandon smith's going to be a lot of fun to watch but yeah major major blow to penn state season i think
0: we had have to get finish. absolutely asinine on a t-shirt because i think that just 2020 absolutely asinine
1: there it is the slogan for the season
0: <laughs> right. Well, maybe he went to Penn Live because he was already in Harrisburg and didn't want to drive to State College. I don't know. That's just one of no, those.
1: I actually I do wonder about that because I know um, he wasn't here. Then he came back here, um, and I, you know, I mean, here's the other thing. Every time these guys leave for more than three days, they have to get like retested. So I don't even know when the last time he was up here. Um, we talked with Ellis Brooks a couple weeks ago, and he's roommates with Parsons and. Um, and so is Jesse Lucchetta, and there there was like a lot of yelling in the background during the interview that sounded like Micah. Um, so maybe he was up here a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I mean that could could have very well been part of it.
0: Okay, you already kind of mentioned his impact and how Penn State will look to try to respond. I did see a couple of interesting things out there where people are like, okay, who's the next best player on this Penn State defense? But when you look at Micah Parsons' career at Penn State. And really, kind of the weird way in which he ended up at Penn State when he was almost a lock to go to Ohio State um, until they sort of imposed a, a sanction on themselves to not recruit him anymore. Uh, he comes to Penn State. He plays two remarkable seasons. But I mean, people are going to say that this was going to be his breakout year where he really put it all together, and he didn't have that. So when you look at a legacy standpoint, does he even kind of get into the top ten? I mean, Penn State's known for their linebackers, or is it just really hard to kind of rank him somewhere because? If you rank him off of just straight skill, maybe he's in the top you know, five, top three. But based off of what he was able to actually put on the field and the accolades won, I mean, does he even make it into the top ten?
1: I think definitely top ten, but I think it's uh, this whole season, um, whatever kind of season we get this year, all the numbers are going to be skewed because you got ten games. Um, with Parsons, you don't even have that. And I think, too, Corey, the other part was when you think back to his freshman year, he wasn't a full-time starter that was the whole Koa Farmer timeshare that they were in. So that certainly impacted his numbers as well. But for me, kind of his legacy, I think probably for Penn state fans, the sad dejecting part of this is you go back to the cotton bowl and how he was just absolutely incredible, seemingly could do whatever he wanted to on that field that day. Um, To me, that was what we were going to see this year. And, Even in a video that's since been released with Live, he had mentioned that Brent Pry this offseason was working up different schemes uh, to really give him more opportunities as a pass rusher. So all of that's now thrown out the window. So I think definitely top 10, the numbers to me are not going to tell the whole story there just because limited opportunities as a freshman, no junior season, the rare two and out – but when you saw him on the field, when you saw him at his best or as close to his best that we were going to get to see in that Cotton Bowl, that was insane. I mean, I trying to think back to some of the most dominating performances I've seen in my going on 11 seasons on the Penn State beat, I mean, that game for him was just remarkable. I mean, it really was supposed to set the stage for the season. And that, to me, is where this thing really, really stings for Penn State.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had 14 tackles, uh, two sacks, but he had that hurry on that screen play that was eventually intercepted and taken back for a touchdown. Uh, you could make the argument without him in that game, they they might fall to Memphis. So there's no doubt. I you know, you made me think about you know a defensive performance that was more memorable than that, and it definitely wasn't. But for some reason, the first thing that came to my head was Jordan Hill against what was that Wisconsin? Yes. Yeah. Like
1: the banged up knee senior day, if I recall correctly. Yeah. That,
0: that's what I don't know why that came to my head, but that, that was the first thing for some reason that came to my head. So that, that was an interesting. But you're right. I mean, you know damn well Memphis didn't want to play Micah Parsons ever again after what he kind of did. And he was going to have a lot of opportunities, especially with how much depth they had coming back. Um, they, people weren't going to be able to just focus in on just Micah Parsons. So I think the college football fan, whether you're a Penn State fan or not, uh, Definitely is going to miss out on what could have been for an amazing twenty twenty season uh, for Micah Parsons.
1: Yeah, it's it's sad, no doubt. Um, and I think too, like you know, he leaves here without an interception. Corey teammates are not going to let him live that down. Um, and oh yeah, thing lesser lesser known, very much so on the scale, uh, less impact. But uh, Penn State's off returner now also out of the equation. So maybe you see. Uh, Noah Cain back there with Journey Brown, or Keyvion Lee back there with Journey Brown, something like that. But yeah, so many, so many ramifications. Yes,
0: yeah, so that was the first thing I thought of: is how they're going to replace uh, that key blocker on the kick return. That was the first thing that came to mind. No, I'm
1: <laughs> it, it, it didn't make a lot of the graphics out there. It didn't make the headlines, but you know, it could
0: have. Yeah, and we'll never get to see a Micah Parsons kick return either. So, I mean, un- as sad as that is as well. I was curious if he was going to be able – we saw kind of what Penn State did with Saquon Barkley when he had that Heisman campaign for at least a little bit there. I was curious if they were going to find ways in the red zone to try to get him a couple touchdowns to at least get people talking and considering something like that. But I guess we'll never see anything like that either.
1: Yeah, we'll never know. And I think – even the interesting thing with the Barkley Heisman campaign that they rolled out for a little bit is Penn state was in such a tough spot at that point because like they still wanted to promote Trace McSorley a good bit too. Um, Where this year, I mean, you were going to have one guy on your roster most likely, unless, you know, journey Brown plays out of his mind and keeps playing out of his mind. Maybe who knows. Um, But you were going to have one guy to really kind of push and promote from a Heisman perspective. So I mean, I like to think they would have tried to get creative and do some things with him. Um, Maybe give him that carry that he so desperately wanted. Um, But yeah, we're never going to know, Corey. And to me, that's really kind of the the saddest part about all of this for fans is in a column I wrote on The Athletic about it, I said, you know what, it would be like taking one year off of LeVar Arrington's college career, taking one year off of Saquon Barkley's career. Um, These are things that, as fans of college football, you want to see that. And I mean, that was the big concern about a potential spring season, right? Oh, all these guys are going to opt out. Well, now we're seeing it happen with all the uncertainties surrounding the fall, too,
0: absolutely. yeah. And I mean, it's basically watching a movie and then cutting it off before the last thirty minutes. I mean, that's exactly what just happened. So it's it's irregular. It's unnatural, and it definitely is sad. And it, we we see, you know, what happened. It's so weird. So we had that announcement, and then we had the new Big Ten schedule drop. At the same time, UConn says, hey, we're not going to play college football at all. And it kind of just shows that everyone across the country is at different stages on what they deem safe. Uh, But let's talk about that Big Ten schedule. It's 10 conference games, uh, and... For a team like Maryland, that means you're probably only going to win one or two because of the schedule that they face.
1: Well, and they just had six players opt out this morning, including their uh, projected starting quarterback, Josh Jackson. So,
0: oh, I didn't know that. So that's that's huge, right there. So, uh, yeah, they're in they're in big trouble. But the Penn State schedule you you start off on as of right now, September 5th against Northwestern, Um, travel to Indiana, travel to Michigan, uh, host the Spartans, go to Rutgers, which Rutgers will probably be on like their 17th quarantine by then, so we'll see where the heck they're at. And then they host Maryland, then they host Iowa, and they go to Nebraska, which is a pretty freaking far travel for this whole, like, let's limit travel to a certain degree. A to get yeah, which totally makes sense when the last time Penn State went out to Nebraska. And then finally, which would have been the whiteout, of course, November 7th, Ohio State traveling to Penn State before, of course, finishing the season... Uh, in Chicago against Illinois, w- what do you think of the schedule as a whole? And if this schedule actually happened, um, what are the you know the key games outside of, of course, Ohio State that you'd be paying attention to?
1: You know, to me, <laughs> the crossover game, uh, the tenth one that gets added with Illinois, I'm like, wow, that's a buzzkill. Um, just not a lot of excitement there in Champaign. but. We saw last year Penn State have that developmental squad scrimmage against Rutgers uh, with Will Levis getting the start. And, you know, maybe we'll see something like that again this year. Probably not as much, probably not to the same degree that we saw it against Rutgers. But, I mean, it's not going to be a particularly great game. And the fact that Penn State has to travel um, to Champaign for that game, should we make it that this far in the season, um, that's just, to me, kind of a thud to end the season. Now, selfishly, Corey, is someone who, as we all know, I root for the storylines, right? I don't, and this will sound terrible probably to some people listening to this, but I don't care if Penn State wins or loses. That's journalism. You root for the stories. Um, would have been great storyline to see Penn State play Minnesota again this year. Rashad Bateman's already opted out. Kirk Scirocco's old team with his new offense and his new team would have been a really cool storyline. Um, Wisconsin would have been really exciting, too. Uh, Of course, Penn State opens the 2021 season at Camp Randall. So uh, based off of what the Big Ten wanted to do, they wanted to try and pair teams up for that 10th game that necessarily haven't played each other too fairly recently. So Penn State's last trip out to Illinois was that uh, Friday night game that was very unmemorable, uh, except for the fact that it was the team's first Friday night game. So, you know... I think the way the big 10 built the schedule with these built in bye weeks makes a lot of sense because if you get a game that can't happen, right, maybe Penn state now Northwestern did say earlier on Friday that that one positive test that they had that shut down workouts was actually a false positive. So if for whatever reason, Penn state couldn't play Northwestern, they could then make that game up during one of these open weeks. So you've got two open weeks during the season and then you also, after Illinois, have extra open time. Um, and there's a cushion there, too, with the Big Ten title game, should they need to push that back later than December 5th. So I like that the Big Ten has a lot of flexibility. For me, the I mean, nothing's changed in terms of the make-or-break game is still Ohio State, but now it does get more interesting, I think, with Penn State playing Michigan week three in Ann Arbor. Um, Virginia Tech was going to be so much of a tune-up for that game, But, Corey, I will say what favors or what works in Penn State's favor at this point is that you're going on the road early in the season, but we don't know exactly what Michigan's fan situation is going to look like. But it's certainly not going to be a full stadium. They've already said that. And look at what Penn State's doing uh, with no fans because of the state orders right now. So it eliminates the crowd noise factor. Now, yes, that's great for the Michigan game, but then you look at the whiteout. And barring a pandemic turnaround, um, Penn State's not going to have fans there. So I still think, I mean, your season's going to be made on those two games in particular. Iowa's always going to be interesting. That's become a really great uh, series for Penn State. But yeah, I i like more so what the Big Ten has done with building in time to their schedules more than anything.
0: Yeah, and the only kind of gripe I have is the fact that they moved up the Ohio State Michigan game as if they were uh, uh, sure that that game was going to get played if they kept it at the end of the season, but then they didn't want to make it earlier, like one or the, you know week one or week two. So I, some things I was a little questionable about, but at the same time, uh, I guess the only other thing I was a little bit concerned with is if you need a 14 day period between some sort of quarantine, you know this, you know one or two bye weeks doesn't really give you that kind of flexibility. So if you have an outbreak. I mean, does that basically eliminate you for one or two games if you have to wait the full 14 days? I mean, how how are they going to do something like that? If Or is it going to be, hey, there's an outbreak, you're pretty much done for a month? I, I don't know how that's going to work.
1: Yeah, it's going to depend. And, and I think this is where we're really going to have to look at testing turnaround times, right? And how quickly and how accurate are these tests going to be? Um, but I do think it's... It's a weird year, unfortunate year for Penn State to be going out to Nebraska. Uh, such a far trip, not an easy trip to make. And then you also add in the Champagne trip to that as well. Um, Rutgers, fairly easy trip. Michigan from State College, easy trip. Um, but, yeah, getting to Nebraska, you know, this in Halloween weekend um, sounds interesting. I am very curious, Corey, go, kind of going along those same lines of, how is Penn State going to travel for away games? Um, are they still going to stay in the hotel the night before home games? Uh, haven't been able to get answers to those questions yet, but I do wonder if anything potentially uh, could change with some of that.
0: Yeah, let's talk about kind of what Audrey knows because...
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> well, this will be a short segment. <laughs>
0: um, because we just found out, Sandy Barber, you know, sending an email to all the season ticket holders basically saying... Um, Please donate your money that you had for the 2020 season tickets. If not, you can roll it over to 2021 um, or you can get a refund, but we can't promise you seats moving forward. So we know that
1: at- keep your seat licensing fee either way, Corey, that's part of the full refund, which I thought was not the best thing. But yeah, continue.
0: So, I mean, that's where we're at with the fans in the stands. But what else do we know about Penn State football games moving forward? I mean, you don't know very much from a press standpoint on whether or not you're going to be allowed there. Um, but is there stuff we do know? I mean, are you going to be allowed to go to any of the practices? Are everything going to be video conferences? I mean, do we know anything?
1: <laughs> That's a question I ask myself every single day. Um, so, I mean, the way where, where everything stands right now, we haven't even applied for credentials Um I would imagine that's going to have to happen here soon. We have no idea. I mean, Penn State's opening practice today, Friday, first day. Um, typically what they do during camp is media would just get one day a week, like typically Wednesdays like we do in season, watch 10 minutes, James Franklin talks afterward, a player talks afterward, and usually an assistant coach afterward during camp, but um, I would not anticipate media getting anywhere near the football building all season. Um, That's just from kind of my common sense, logical perspective of it. Um, I would be absolutely stunned if we see any practice all year, um, just because of the pandemic. Um, My best guess would be that everything continues to be done solely on Zoom. Um, So that could mean Post game interviews done on Zoom. I mean, it might be a situation where maybe the media, you know, is spaced out in the press box, probably going to need a limited number of credentials to, you know, when you figure social distancing, because that's not going away. Um, So you're probably gonna have to make some limits there from Penn State side of things. Um, but, you know, I could see it where reporters stay in the press box and conduct interviews on Zoom while, you know, James Franklin's sitting in front of a computer in the media room and maybe a handful of players are then brought in in separate computers in the media room. I mean, it's going to be unusual. Whatever happens this year, um, I think it's just a win if you can get a team on the field. And so I'm up for whatever this year brings. Um, it's going to be weird. It's going to be unusual. But I think people also are hoping to have distractions this year. And so however I can cover it um, is how we're going to do it. However we can safely cover it is how we're going to do it. And, I mean, let's be honest, I love talking to people on the phone. I mean, that's kind of always been my thing, calling up parents, calling up high school coaches, whatever I can do, talking to recruits. Um, So we're still going to find ways to cover Penn State football, whatever that's going to look like this year, we should know soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I know you love talking on the phone because we've already gone over what I've asked and you just, you won't let me go. No. um,
1: There it is. Yeah. uh,
0: But if you need, or Penn State needs... Uh, to choose credentials or who's allowed to you know to be in a press box? You know, I have some recommendations if they want to hear that. So I can.
1: I, I don't think they want anyone's recommendations, Corey.
0: Um, I could I could help out. I would also love to see you and Ben Jones kind of fight it off. Like throw you know, one weapon in the middle and just kind of see what happens.
1: No, I'd... Ben, actually, his uh, our assigned press box seats typically are next to each other. So I already told them I'm gonna ask if I could have twelve feet separating us instead of six. <laughs>
0: oh man no that you know that's interesting though i mean but here it comes down to something we had already kind of talked about or at least posed the question earlier and is it all worth it right i mean we're doing all these different things to keep the players safe you're going to be tested you know up to maybe three times a week as far as the players are concerned i mean the credentials and then getting you guys in there you're probably not going to get as good as snacks as you usually get when you're up there
1: hey i, mean, I you know what here's the thing I mean, the the sports writer, uh, probably the thing that's going to really upset some people. Um, Corey, there's no way you can have a buffet line this season. Come on. I mean, it's, it, it's <laughs> incredibly, it'd be incredibly dumb to do so. Um, but I'm sure people will be upset over that. But my thing has always been, you go, you watch the game, you observe and you maximize being in there getting that all 22 view, looking at what happens on the sidelines. Um, to me, this is one of those years where it's like, really, nobody should be complaining about anything from an access perspective. From a, oh, this is bad, that's bad. Like this is like this whole year is going to be weird. So suck it up, embrace it, make the best of it, do what you can. You know, that's kind of my motto for it anyway.
0: Yes, I mean that's a good motto. I still think we stick with absolutely asinine, but that that's a good second, I suppose. Um, I'm gonna let you go, but I mean, I just feel like there's so much more that can be said, but if you're a Penn State fan, I know most of the, well, I shouldn't say most, but a solid 30-40% of people that listen to this podcast are Penn State fans. If you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, you're pretty much an idiot at this point. Um, they have the best college football content. They obviously have all other sports as well, including like Premier League soccer um, with countries that actually know how to control a pandemic. Um, but So if you're looking for a content, definitely go to The Athletic. Audrey is... Within those athletic writers, Audrey's always finding awesome stories. Like if you're some other schools, like maybe athletic isn't the most amazing thing in the world. I'd still recommend it. But when it comes to Penn State fans, I mean seriously, Audrey is a class act, and she does, I'd say, a pretty okay job.
1: That's that's my motto, Corey. Doing a pretty okay job.
0: And if you're you know a Bears fan or a Vikings fan, then I maybe not you know don't listen to the podcast because you're gonna hear too much about the freaking Green Bay Packers. Yep. Uh, But otherwise, I think that's it. I mean. We were had a plan at some point to you know preview Penn State a little bit um, around this time, and of course that's kind of gone out the window. Uh, but I guess real quick, if you're going to play these ten games, Audrey, you want to try to give me throw me out a little bit of a record here. What do you what do you think if everything is played? I'll, I
1: know, because here's the thing, Corey. Right, like so, somebody's going to lose a starting quarterback at some point. Somebody's going to be quarantined the way this thing works. Um, to me, this is like an impossible year to predict. I mean, Penn State just lost its best player just because he wanted to opt out because of the pandemic. Um, I I just, can we even play 10 games? I think that's the, that's probably what we should be predicting more than anything is how many games do they play out of 10? Um, I hope it's 10. Um, who knows what the bowl season even could look like or could not look like. So, yeah, Corey, I, I will not give you a number on it. Um, maybe later on in August I will, though. But right now, just way too many unknowns, way too many people opting out.
0: Dang, I was trying to hold you to a number right now. Nope. So that was my that was my best bet at it. But, you know, um, you're right. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little bit more pessimistic about all this. So I'm, I'm not going to go into that. But um, it will be interesting nonetheless. And thank you so much for coming, Audrey Sander, again, from The Athletic. Uh, she writes good stuff. She says good stuff. Make sure to follow her on Twitter as well. Thank you so much, Audrey.
1: You got it, Corey. Take
0: care. Again, special thanks to Audrey Snyder taking some time out of her Friday to speak with me. I really appreciate it. You know, these small podcasts, we don't get as much love all the time. And so for her to take some time out of her day to to talk college football with us was fantastic. Obviously, Penn State and the rest of the Big Ten will not be playing games this fall, as we kind of mentioned there towards the end. But I really thought the Micah Parsons bit was really interesting, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, that will pretty much do it for the normal college football stuff. I do want to mention real quick. If you're following me on Twitter, you already know. Same with Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Hardcore CFB. Instagram, I believe, is Hardcore College Football. But I am in a NCAA Football 14 Twitch stream dynasty league. There's 11 other streamers. We're all in a dynasty together, and we I think we just finished week five. And we stream every single game. It's called the G12 Football. And they're on Twitter as well. But if you're interested in NCAA Football 14 and interested in watching some college football, because we're probably not going to get a lot of it uh, normally, uh, definitely go check out the G12 Football League. Again, all over Twitch, uh, all over Twitter. It's been really fun. It's been a fantastic time. We've had a lot of viewers. We have commentators. We have producers. We have podcasters. We have writers. Um, It's been a fantastic start to this little league, Uh, so I encourage you to go check that out. If you're interested in just finding some sort of college football, some avenue uh, to get your fix, definitely come check us out, come hang out with us. It's been a really fun time, and I've enjoyed it so far. So that will do it for the podcast today. I hope you guys are all staying safe, staying healthy, and until next time, uh, stay hardcore.